having sung a psalm together, we're going to turn and read Psalm 10 together. I said last week that some of the scholarship kind of debates whether Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are really one psalm, but uh, we're less concerned about that, I suppose, than looking at the content. And so I thought there was plenty of content in Psalm 10 to do us a week on its own. You'll notice that's why it doesn't have a title, because it sort of runs on from Psalm 9. As we read, we remember, starting at verse 1, we remember this is God's word. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts in his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws them into his net. So he crouches. He lies low that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face, he will never see. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand, do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Amen. We thank God that he blesses us when we read his truth. Folks, I wonder if you've ever had to ask yourself this question. Does God's word really work? Does it really work? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, why does it not seem to be working for me? God's word is, is filled with benefits and blessings. It's filled with promises for the Christian person. 
In our Psalm 40, which we sang today, we, we sang about the blessing there is for somebody who trusts in the Lord. Or you could turn back a few pages in your Bible and you could see Psalm 1, which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. Psalm 1 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1 is, is supposed to set the tone for the rest of the Psalms. But we've got to Psalm 10 and we can clearly see that what's going on in the life of the psalmist is not matching up with Psalm 1. You'll notice that there are many similarities between last week's Psalm 9 and this week's Psalm 10. They're companions of each other. They're placed next to each other deliberately in the Psalter. But it has to be said that the, the tone of Psalm 9 as it finished was much more positive than the tone with which Psalm 10 begins. Psalm 10 begins with the psalmist wondering why is God's word not working? This is a cry of David. I would say that David wrote this psalm. It's a cry from David that many of us are familiar with. And if you're not familiar with it, you should get ready because there could be something around the corner that will make you familiar with it. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The cry from David is one of pain and anguish. It comes from a, a place of wanting God's word to be true, but not seeing the truth of God's word in his daily life. It's a cry, but it's also a prayer of faith. The very fact that he asks the question means the psalmist knows that God is good, God is loving, God is kind. He knows that God blesses his people. But here, in the midst of his trouble, it, it doesn't feel as if God is near. It feels as if God is far off. It, it seems as if God is hiding from him in the time of trouble. I want you to notice it's, it's not simple poetic language. It's it's not philosophizing in the middle of the night, some scholar. It's, it's not somebody saying, you know, if God is supposedly almighty and good, then why does trouble come? The psalmist asks, why do you? Why do you? It's a personal psalm. We don't know the circumstance in the life of the psalmist, but we do know he is in a place of pain and trouble. And in the midst of this pain and trouble, he can't seem to find God. This is a prayer of desperation. And it's a prayer that many of us have prayed, haven't we? Like I say, if you've not found yourself needing this prayer, then get ready. It's only a matter of time. You know, friends, I find huge comfort to read this in the Bible. I'm genuinely encouraged to read that David, who was a man after God's own heart, even David felt this way. And so whenever I feel as if God is far off, whenever I can't seem to find God in the midst of trouble, 
Well, at least I know I'm in good company. This is a psalm of lament. There are other psalms of lament or passages of lament in the Bible. It even has a whole book called Lamentations. You see, the the Bible isn't a book filled with pie-in-the-sky thinking. It's it's not a book which paints the world as flower blossoms and gumdrops. The Bible is a book filled with real life. It's not a book of cute sayings. It isn't a list of fortune cookie verses. Although sometimes we treat it that way, don't we, with a wee verse for this or a wee verse for that. It's good today to be reminded that the Bible is a real book about real people who went through incredibly difficult times and circumstances. People like you and me who cry out to God, why? Why do you stand far off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Isn't it good to know that God's word deeds with us? And that it has something to say to us, even when we are in a place where it seems as if God's word isn't working. And as if God is far off. Last summer, I recommended this little book on the first 12 Psalms. It's called The Way of the Righteous in the Muck of Life. I would recommend it again. I just love the title, The Way of the Righteous in the Muck of life. Because life is mucky, isn't it? It's messy. How do we as Christian people deal with the muck and mess of life? How do we as God's people live in a world filled with trouble? How do we act when God seems far off? In this psalm, following on from his initial cry of desperation, we have three sections surrounding the trouble that David finds himself in. We have, first of all, a lengthy description of a wicked man who causes trouble. We have a prayer for God to act in trouble. And then finally, we have a clear view of God who does act in trouble. Let's look first at the wicked man, verses 3 to 11. You can see the description is long, it's detailed. And that's very deliberate on the part of the psalmist. He wants us to get a really good idea of how wicked and evil this person is. Just look at some of the descriptions. He sneers at his enemies. His mouth is full of cursing and lies. He murders the innocent. He ambushes the poor and lowly to destroy them. What a wicked man this really is. The point of allowing the wicked man so much space, so much ink in this psalm. Well, it it draws us into the pain of the psalmist. We're forced to consider what this man is like. What it must have been like for the psalmist to to live in the world with this wicked man about. Of course, whenever we sit with this passage for as long as it takes to read these verses, when we really think about it, we're we're forced to realise that we live in a world which isn't too different. There are people in our world like this. Maybe we know them personally. 
Maybe you have heard of them through family or friends, or, or maybe you've just seen people like this on the news. But the point is there are people like this in our world. By forcing us to think about this, the psalmist wants us to realize how different this wicked man is to those who live under the grace of God. Look especially at verse 4. The wicked, in his proud countenance, does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. The psalmist is teaching us what life is like for those who don't seek God. Whenever we don't seek God, whenever God is absent from the picture, people live in all sorts of evil and sinfulness. Wicked men prosper in a world that doesn't look to God. When God is taken out of the picture, evil succeeds. The world is a very dark place. But by placing such an emphasis on this wicked man, doesn't the psalmist show us how we could be if it wasn't for God? God's word is saying to you and me today that we too can slip into this level of evil and wickedness if we do not seek God, if we don't think upon him. We are sinful creatures. There is wickedness in our hearts. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved from living the life which is spoken about in these verses. Aside from God rescuing us, aside from God restraining evil in our lives, we too could be the wicked man of Psalm 10. But there's something else I want to mention here. The description of the wicked man is long, it's detailed. And it means that for the first 11 verses of this psalm, at least, the psalmist can't focus on anything else. He, he cries out to God that he can't find God. He wonders why God is hiding. But I want to suggest, perhaps, that God is not hiding. Instead, David has allowed this wicked man to consume his thoughts to such an extent that he can't see and he can't think about anything else. You know what this is like, don't you? You've had this experience. You know that time when somebody said something offensive about you or to you? Or that incident when somebody got the better of you? And you replay that moment over and over again in your mind, rerunning the conversation, thinking, what could I say differently so that I would get the upper hand, so that I would have the last word? You word the, the response you will make to them the next time you see them. You allow the, the incident and that person to consume your thoughts. So that at night when your head hits the pillow, it's all you can think about. And the more you think about it, the more sinister their motives seem to become. In your mind, you turn this person into the wicked man, Psalm 10. See, David allowed the wicked man to grow to such an extent that God was no longer in the picture. It seemed to David as if God was far off, as if God was hiding. Some of you will be able to picture this immediately. Others will be able to imagine it. 
But I want you to think about walking through uh, Donard Forest, through the Forest Park on your way to climb Sleeve Donard. As you walk through the trees, the trees seem huge. And they seem to block your way. You can't see around them to the mountain that's behind them. But the mountain's not hiding. The mountain has never moved. It's not more far off than when you started your journey. In fact, it's closer. The trees are blocking your way. You, you need to keep pressing through the trees. You need to break the line of the forest and then you see the mountain in all of its glory. When you do, when you see the mountain, you realise the trees aren't that big. They're not as big as they seemed and they're not even close to the size of the mountain. In verse 12, we have a prayer of David as he's breaking through the tree line, as he eventually sees God instead of the wicked man. Our second section is a prayer for God to act in trouble. Look at verse 12, which says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, do not forget the humble. Often this is the prayer that we need in the midst of the trees. When we can't see around or past the wicked man in our thoughts, when we can't get over the hurt and the pain that somebody has caused to us, when we feel as if God is nowhere in the situation, well, we need this cry. We need to cry out to God in prayer, Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Verse 15 is powerful. Look at verse 15. David prays, Break the arm of the evil, of the wicked and evil man. Seems harsh, doesn't it? It seems too harsh. Wouldn't it be your prayer to God if there was a wicked man with his arm raised to hit your child? Wouldn't it be better that his arm be broken and he gets to inflict any more pain or hurt? Isn't it better that the thought, the, the thoughts which consume our minds of this wicked man are shattered so that we can see God more clearly? And that's exactly what happens for David by the end of the psalm. He has a clear view of God. He can see the mountain. The trees are no longer clouding his vision. There are three things I want to mention very briefly about God in these verses. The first is that God sees. God sees. He sees to help us. Look at verse 14. You have seen, or you observe trouble and grief. There's trouble in this world. It seems to us as if God is far off, as if God is hiding, but that's never the case. God sees. He sees the suffering of his people. He sees the oppression. He sees the pain people have to endure. He sees and he cares. He's father to the fatherless. He's the one who gives grace and mercy to his people. He's the one who sent his son into the world that we might be forgiven our sin and have everlasting life. God sees and God cares. Secondly, God is in a position to help. Not only does he see, God is in a position to help us. He's seated on his throne. That's where he's always been. 
Slave Donner didn't move when he entered the mountain, the forest. It seemed to hide, but it was always there. God is more sure. He's more firm on his throne than even the biggest mountain in this world. The mountains stand firm, don't they? Psalm 46 tells us, even if the mountains crumbled into the heart of the sea, God would remain our refuge and strength, steady and secure. Finally, God is powerful. God sees. God is in a position to help, but he's powerful to help as well. Strong and mighty. Look at verse 17. He has heard the desire of the humble, and he will prepare their heart. He strengthens the hearts of his people. By the power of his Holy Spirit working in his work, as we look to God, as we see the trees shrink behind us, we know that God is bigger. He is stronger than any problem, than any wicked man we might face in this world. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? In this world you will have tribulation. You will. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I think it's worth bringing things to a close by turning our thoughts to Jesus. As Jesus hung on the cross, he quoted from the Psalms. Jesus would have memorized the Psalms and it seems as he hung on the cross, he was running over them in his mind. I don't know, but I guess Psalm 10 might have been in his thoughts. <clears throat> we know that he cried out with a loud voice, quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's not too different from the opening of our psalm today. For Jesus, the wicked man could have been any one of those who condemned him to die and sent him to the cross. Judas, Herod, Pilate, the Jewish religious establishment. And yet, through the cross, through the trouble of the cross, Jesus overcame the world. We put the psalm on the lips of Jesus. We can understand some of the torture he went through on the cross. Let me try that this afternoon. Go home and, and reread Psalm 10 and think about it on the lips of Jesus. What he went through. He did it all so that we might be saved. So that we could be of good cheer. So that we can know for certain that God has not moved far off. God is not hidden. Jesus died so that we can know that God will do justice for the fatherless and the oppressed. So that we can have all the blessings, all the benefits of Christ here and now in this life. Friends, I know there are times in our lives when God seems far off. He seems to be hiding in the midst of our trouble. And there are no shortage of wicked men in this world who seem to prosper and lord it over everyone else. But this psalm encourages us and it assures us today that through Jesus we have a clear picture of a God who sees us, a God who cares, 
a God who is in a position to help us and who is powerful enough to help us. Through Jesus, we know a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We know one who has died so that we might have peace and comfort from God each and every day. Let's pray together.